All right, everybody, welcome back to the Millennial Sales Podcast. It's your host, Tommy Tahoe Alemo. Uh, really excited for this episode 220. Um, got an interview today with Liz Lee. Uh, before we get to her, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. So uh, first up, gong.io. I love gong so much that I went to work there. Uh, it is the revenue intelligence platform. It's irresponsible to run a sales team, revenue team, customer success team without it. Uh, it helps you understand your deals better, your people better, uh, your market better, uh, and, and helps you to drive growth. So if you want to learn more about them, uh, you can go to gong.io or just Add me on LinkedIn, uh, connect with me, and I'll point you in the right direction. I can answer any questions. I am Tom Alemo on LinkedIn uh, and Tommy Tahoe on any other social media. The other sponsor that we have is Postal.io. Uh, in a world where everyone is trying to automate and uh, do things at scale, Postal helps you to really personalize uh, the you know anything that you're sending to a customer, to a partner, to uh, an employee, whoever, whomever it might be, to a prospect, right? And so instead of doing a mass blast, you can send something from the brewery across town, the florist on the street corner. Um, I love what they're doing. I use it. And you can even, uh, you know, do something special that they have put together, which is if you go to Apple Podcasts, you leave a five-star review, um, and then you send that to me on LinkedIn, they'll give you a free Starbucks card. So if you just leave the review, you DM it to me, you get a free coffee or tea or Americano or whatever that you want there. So uh, appreciate it. Show some love to me by showing love to the sponsors, Gong and Postal. Okay, now let's get into today's interview. Uh, Liz Lee is the Senior Director of Sales at Optimize Health. Before that, she was at Verkata. Before that, she really made her name as the Senior Director of Inside Sales at Patient Pop. Uh, you know, working under mentors like Justin Welsh and, and Kevin Dorsey, who are legends in the SaaS sales game. So I loved Liz's energy. It was contagious. Uh, it, it'll get you in a good mood. It'll get you excited on this Monday morning. So uh, I don't even want to give anything else away. I love chatting with her uh, and said, let's just get straight into my conversation with Liz Lee. Let's go. All right, Liz Lee, good yes. morning. Welcome to Millennial Sales. Thank you for having me. Super excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to, uh, to be chatting with you. How are you doing this Friday, uh, last week of the quarter? Yeah, it's pretty exciting. I mean, like the quarter has really flown by very quickly, as you've probably felt. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's always the same in sales. Pressure is kind of on. You're just trying to close out those last couple of deals. So I'm Happy to have this little break. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Well, thanks for uh, for taking the time this morning. Um, I want to just get straight on into it, and, and I'm always fascinated by how people get into sales. Um, you you had an interesting path because you started off in in I think like tax accounting, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you went into sales, and then I just see like promotion after promotion after promotion, and just keep climbing the ladder. So I'd love to hear you kind of tell that story of how you went from uh, you know. The, the accounting world to the sales world and, and how that went. 
Yeah, I get asked this question a lot. So I've essentially gotten this question, the answer down to a T, but really um, I went into accounting because in college I started out as a uh, pre-med bio major and really quickly realized it wasn't for me. And I guess it came down to um, a lot of fear that after college, because we saw like the recession in 2008, um, the fear of getting a job. And I had this friend at USC who was an accounting major and she was like, oh, go into accounting. You start recruiting like literally freshman year you're going to get a job for sure. And so that's what kind of interested me in accounting. And I guess what really kept me interested in accounting during college was just the recruiting aspect of it. So um, when I started actually doing my job, clearly recruiting was not like the number one priority. It was like, okay, do these tax returns. And after about six months, I realized I did not like this job at all. I was not excited every day before work. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to do this again. Um, And so after we had a meeting where it was like, hey, we're about to go into busy season. We got to, you know, strap down for 55 minimum hours a week. I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I need to find a job. So when I was reflecting back on why I ended up in accounting and what kept me interested in accounting, it was really just the meeting people aspect, um, you know, talking to people and feeling like the excitement of the introducing to a new career, I guess, um, aspect of it. So I actually started when I was looking for a career transition, um, looking into recruiting. And I was like, I love that people are very excited when they first start their jobs. Um, and as I was looking into it more and more, and I actually did apply to a couple of recruiting jobs, um, people were saying, you should just look into sales because recruiting is essentially an aspect of sales, but it's more of a subset and it's harder to get into sales after you're in recruiting, but it's easier if you wanted to go the other way. So that's where I was like, ping like sales is a career option. Like I literally had never heard of it before. Like I feel like at um, USC where I was, they were really um, all focused on big corporate jobs because they would love to just put the logos on where their students went to school. And so, you know, corporate jobs have sales departments, but they're not as, um, I feel like they're not as aggressive or they're just, you don't learn as much. And so that's kind of where I started looking into startups. I saw all these startups had um, sales positions opened. So I ended up getting a job at Patient Pop, which was my first sales job. And it was literally everything that I didn't know that I needed and wanted. So I would suggest if anyone is looking for any kind of a career transition, look back to the times where you weren't thinking about um, really what you want to do, but just think about what you actually enjoyed and how you end up where you were. And that's kind of how I ended up, you know, choosing sales and finding that career that was really right for me. Yeah. And when you went to uh, Patient Pop, did you work under Kevin Dorsey, like at least as an SCR, like in, in his organization? Um, so KD joined when I was already an AE. So okay. he, yes, I did work under him. I, he started, I, I think I worked under him for like at least a year. Um, he started, I think it was in 2018. Oh yeah. So a little more than a year. Um, yeah. So he was overseeing all inside sales. Um, so yes, I did work under him, but when I started, it was totally different. Like when I started at patient pop, it was much smaller, not super, super small. Cause everything was pretty flushed out and they had a process going, but a lot of things changed as we were growing. Um, but it was really exciting to work under him because he had a lot of motivational things to say and um, a big impact on the company. Yeah. I was curious. Um, cause I actually just had him. I just interviewed him last week oh, cool. um, and, and yeah, it was, was curious, like, what it was like to actually work for him because I just see him on LinkedIn just dropping these knowledge bombs every single day and I mm-hmm. love talking to him and and learning from him as well so I, I was just curious if um you know if there's anything that stood out from him or any other leaders uh, at Patient Pop if there's someone else that you worked under 
um, because they've had such a massive success story the last mm-hmm. few years. Yeah. So him and Katie, or sorry, not him and Katie, Katie and Justin, actually Justin yeah. and I, um, I consider Justin to be my mentor. He's helped me a lot just in like my sales career at patient pop. And then afterwards he's helped me a lot. Um, Katie's always had a lot of energy and I know that I can always reach out to him anytime I need things. So I would say, yes, like leverage your leaders. Like if you're at an organization where you have like you don't have a relationship with your VP or your, you know, senior leaders, then make that relationship and find a way to stand out and really, um, you know, connect with them because they're, they can, and they will help you um, a lot along the way. So like KD, for example, is always teaching, not just the selling of your own product, but how to sell anything and like selling the right way, which I just really love and appreciate. And Justin has actually helped me a lot with just thinking about the long game, like my personal brand, like even before he was really doing a lot on LinkedIn, I used to like one piece of advice that, you know, I would get aside from selling um, yeah. that I know some of my other managers, like I have, I used to work under Jess Strickland at Patient Pop. He would say, you're amazing at selling, but you need to like kind of refine yourself in like the more work setting aspect, which I can definitely appreciate. I am very, um, say it when I think it. I don't really think yeah. too much before I, I talk. And so just helping me kind of shift the way that I'm perceived within an organization, um, both Jess and Justin really helped me with that. And so that's something that, you know, selling is obviously a huge part of your job, but also making sure you're building those relationships within the company and everyone has a positive aspect of you. Um, I also heard this analogy of making deposits or withdrawals to your personal brand. Another sales leader that I work with at Patient Pop, Andrew Weiss, taught me that one. He was like, everything that you do is either making a deposit to who you are or withdrawal. And you always want to be making deposits. Um, So yeah, I've actually had a chance to connect with a lot of the people who I used to work with um, more recently, which is really exciting. Yeah. And, and Justin's been on the show. He's, he's a legend. Um, I'd love to, for you to kind of double click on that a little bit when you're talking about um, kind of building that, that brand internally and, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, maybe refining it, it, how you speak or, or what you say, or the, the types of conversations you're having. Like if you're comfortable sharing any examples, like I think that, that could be super helpful for folks, especially like you're early in your career and you're not really sure like how to act professionally, mm-hmm. but but also relatably and, and, you know, kind of build your brand internally. I'd love to hear you talk about that a little bit more. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Cause I feel like it is something that comes with just experience and maturity. I can't tell if I would have been able to refine myself more quickly if it had been brought up sooner, because I know that I used to just think like, why sugarcoat anything? Just like say what you feel, but then obviously not everyone has the same mentality as you. I actually, and this is kind of interesting, I think that quarantine and Zoom meetings have helped a lot with for me specifically, because um, whereas you're in a one-on-one meeting with your manager and um, you can kind of say whatever you feel and maybe you even start just doing that in more open settings where it's not just one-on-one, but it's like you plus your team. And that's kind of where I would get in trouble is saying things where that I should have pull my manager aside and ask him directly versus bring it up to the whole team. Um, yeah. Zoom meetings have helped me because you're more uncomfortable, I would say, being the first one to speak out, whereas you have like, maybe then you get off the Zoom meeting, you have some time to think, think about something, and then you can bring it up later and then set up another meeting and really have a chance to think about and digest what you're about to say um, before you just say it. So that's kind of where it's helped me with like the self-control aspect of thinking before you speak and making sure that you want to say what you're going to say. Um, and also, I think it helped that I've now moved organizations twice since Patient Pop, where I have had a chance to 
be in a new situation with new people where I'm not so comfortable. Cause I think part of what was leading to me kind of saying whatever I felt was that I was so comfortable with all the people I was working with on a day-to-day basis that I was just like, they know who I am. They know what I mean, but not everyone does, especially when you're not, when you're in like a cross-functional meetings with sales and marketing and you don't want to rub anyone the wrong way. Totally. Yeah. I feel that, you know, doing the virtual onboarding, you know, myself the last few months at, at a new company and, and mm-hmm. was at somewhere for five years before that, where it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, everyone, um, everyone knows you or, or you think. And so it, it makes it easier to just like, um, maybe get too comfortable, uh, in a certain situation. I've definitely seen that, that happen. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's helpful. Um, well, I see just on LinkedIn, you know, from the numbers you're sharing, there's like smashing records, uh, at patient pop and, and just really dominating in, in each role that you've been in. So I'm curious, like, if you have any other tips uh, really across the gamut for any, any of the other sellers that are, uh, that are listening here and, and gearing up for Q2. Yeah, um, I have. I was thinking about this a lot, actually, because I feel like sometimes I share the same tips because I think they're very important, but I try to switch it up this time. And well, right. one of them is like similar because I think it's super important um, and that's stay excited. So whether that means you're staying excited because you feel like you're helping people or you just really love the product or you just really love the organization you're a part of, um, I feel like being excited is so important because the moment that you lose that excitement, maybe it's because you feel like you're not learning anything, um, it comes across in your voice. And this was something that took me a while to actually um, really pinpoint down as part of the reason why I've been so successful is I would just get these compliments from, you know, internal people, whether it was like my manager and also like my prospects, like we used to have these surveys that would go out um, after the sale and I would some, you know, they don't always fill them out, but sometimes they fill them out and they would always say like, yeah, Liz was so passionate about the product. She like really got us excited because she was excited. And I feel like that can really win you a sale when you're up against a competitor and I've heard some, um, you know, other sales pitches and it's really shocking how many people you think it'd be inherent and everyone would be excited and really, you know, have a lot of energy, but some people don't. And so Mm. that's something that you should really always keep in mind is you can win over a sale just based on how you're talking about it. And we used to always have these signs up in the office. Like it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And it's just entirely true. Um, that's my number one. Um, number two is don't be complacent. I've actually seen a lot of people who I know their careers just kind of like they were really fast and up and coming. And then all of a sudden they would just kind of like stagnant out and you'd be like, what happened? Or they'd kind of get forgotten or, um, they would just start putting up the numbers and it's because they got too complacent. So it kind of goes along with not being excited about your job just because you feel like you're doing the same thing every day. And I feel like when you're starting to feel complacent, that might be a time where you either internally think, okay, what can I do more to keep me excited? Or maybe it's time for me to, you know, move on. It's not always, you not always a life or a company. I mean, you were somewhere for right. five years and I don't know what made you decide to leave, but sometimes you just know that there's really nothing more for you is for your personal growth. Yeah. Um, so that's something that I, I've, you know, I've moved now, four jobs. I'm on to my fourth job after college and every single place I've been able to learn something and take something away. And the moment I stop feeling that excitement and like, I'm learning something that's where I'm like, okay, well, what else is going to get me excited? Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think, um, you know, on that note, like you learn just as much from like the good places as, you know, the not so good situations, right? Totally. Like if you were somewhere, <laughs> like we were both somewhere for multiple years, uh, right? Patient pop, I think a few years for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then both of our sec- our next stints were like five or six months, right? Mm-hmm. And then now we're at, at, at a new spot. So it's like, 
that that wasn't a it doesn't have to be seen as a negative it could be like okay i learned something about yeah i could speak for myself i learned something about the opportunity i chose and, and why that wasn't the best fit mm-hmm. and i'm going to take that moving forward and you know as long as you don't make the same mistake twice yeah it's all part it's all part of the learning process i feel like i actually learned a lot because like learning what you don't like is just as important as learning what you like because when you like something you kind of get jaded and you think I'm probably, or actually, I don't know if that's the right word, but you think that you're going to like everything. It's like, well, how different could anything be? But then you find something that you just know that you're not going to enjoy. And then you're very consciously aware of what that is and you stay away from it in the next role. So I totally, I I actually see that a lot. I know that a lot of people who leave their first, I mean, I kind of consider patient pop to be my first job because it was my first sales job in like my career of sales. And I've seen a lot of people when they leave a job they've been at for a while, they choose another job. And then they also, quickly leave like I know a lot of my other colleagues who left patient pop are on to their second job after that because it just you know sometimes you just want to jump into something it's your first time changing career like moves and it just was a little bit too brash or rash um quick so yeah. that is something that's not uncommon and it, you know you feel me like if you're in the same yeah. place <laughs> totally and you don't really know like what I again I'll only speak for myself like I didn't really know what I was looking for like mm-hmm. you're at somewhere and you're like, oh, everywhere is probably more or less like this. And then yep. you go somewhere and you're like, oh, shit, I guess I took some of these really good pieces of my last company for granted. Yep. And I did want to leave and I did want to find something new. But, um, you know, the the really good parts of it, I thought that that was kind of the thing everywhere. And it, mm-hmm. it, it's not. So everywhere is completely different. So mm-hmm. I think it just kind of helps to open up your eyes. And it's probably not uncommon to have a spot at, you know, you're probably your second job. Like the first time you're changing jobs as be someone that could be like, eh, not the best fit. And then you go uh, learn mm-hmm. from it and, and find something else. And I have a question for you. Were you yeah. um, recruited or were you actively looking when you um, end up leaving your other job? If you don't mind me asking. I, yeah, no, it's the latter. I actually, and you know, maybe this is not a smart strategy, but I actually left that job uh, as COVID was starting without anything else lined up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, you know, it was, uh, with, with the pandemic and headcounts getting paused and everything like that, it was, it was a little bit of a tough stretch for a few months, but, um, I, it was one of those things that it was exactly like you said, there was, um, I knew that there was no more growth happening mm-hmm. and, um, I actually probably knew it for about like six months mm-hmm. and, uh, it probably took those six months to actually like kind of gain the courage to be like, okay, I think I need to actually make moves here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like it, I, I had to make the move. And if I didn't make the move, then I was just going to be there like 20 years later. So it's like, <laughs> you know, fuck it. I'll not have a job for a few months while I'm looking. Um, but I need to get, I need to kind of get myself moving. So that's, yeah. that's how it went for me. And I think it's better that you were thinking about it for a while. Cause I know for me that it was kind of the same, like I left patient pop in 2020 and I kind of knew that was going to be the last year for me just because, um, I wanted to have the time to really think about it and consider, you know, what my next move would be. So it's not like the pandemic happened and you were just like, you know, I'm out, uh, which I think is yeah. a lot of great foresight on your, your end. But one piece of advice I would also give to someone if they are considering changing jobs is if you are recruited or reached out to, um, never let that be like your end all be all, because I feel like a lot of people get reached out to, they you know, are, are kind of looking, but they haven't actually done their, you know, their due diligence yet. And they end up choosing that job they were recruited for. Whereas if you are entertaining people in your inbox, then you should also be doing your own research and reaching out to your own network to see if there's other good fits with that out, you know, out there as well, because chances are, um, you know, 
you're always going to find something that's better for yourself than a recruiter who is, you know, their job is to find you. So yeah. I've just seen a lot of people, you know, end up taking jobs through a recruiter and then it wasn't always maybe the best fit in the long run. Totally. Yeah. I, I, I feel like if it's, if you're thinking that it might be a good time to move, there's nothing wrong with, with taking those recruiter calls, but like make your own list of mm-hmm. 10 companies that you think are interesting or 10 people that, you know, or that you've looked up to, or that are, you know, mentors or something to you. And like, where are they and what are mm-hmm. they doing and, and try to hit them up. And uh, yeah, I, I don't think I ever really got far with any recruiters. I interviewed at a pretty good amount of companies and most of the ones that felt like the best fits were, you know, probably naturally the ones that I actually thought, oh, this is a cool company. Let me go try to explore that option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think that, um, I mean, totally what you're saying. One thing I also would want to add to anyone who's at a job right now where they can do this, or, you know, if you're thinking about leaving is I've always kept an email um, within my email, a folder of all of my accolades. So actually I got this advice when I was an SDR from Andrew Weiss, um, who was my SDR director when I was at Patient Pop. And he said, every time you're mentioning email for doing something good, always keep it in a folder. And, you know, first of all, it's always really nice to have that positive reinforcement if you're ever feeling um, down and you want to look through that. I mean, I didn't really do that too often, but it's always nice to know that you have that. Um, So when I did, you know, leave my jobs, I would take all those emails and export them and send it to my personal email. And it's just really good to have in case people are asking um, for a brag book, which I know, I don't know if it's still done at companies, but I know some companies do ask for them. Um, And it's always just good to put some proof behind what you're saying on your resume. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I've actually never heard of, uh, I've, I've heard of the folder. I've never heard of people doing that like in an, in an interview process, but that's a good idea. I actually heard about it um, prior to when I was at Patient Pop and I was just doing my research on sales. I always heard about like a brag book. I think it might've been like a medical device or pharmaceutical thing. Um, mm-hmm. But I always also always took screenshots of my numbers um, from the dashboards on Salesforce. Um, so just having all those things just in case are always you know good to have. And also I think that one also really important tip is just never losing your confidence. So if you are at a role where you feel like, like I've heard this happen to a lot of people where they change jobs or they're at a job and they um, are like, oh my gosh, like this sale is so different from what I'm used to. I'm not even sure if I can sell anymore. And you never want to get into that mentality. I feel like when you start thinking that way, it can just totally screw you and screw your your, uh, mindset for like more than you think. And so having those things go back to, just help you remind you that no you can do this and it's just like you know every sale is so different um so just keeping your confidence levels up whether that means looking back on things or deciding maybe this isn't the right fit for me whatever it is but having that confidence is obviously so important to everything that we do in sales yeah absolutely and and i did want to actually make one comment too from your first tip about the excitement mm-hmm. um that and this is actually something i i talked to kd about was you have to have you know, obviously belief in what you're selling, but you do have to find like something about it that you can get excited, enthusiastic about. It could be the product. It could be the problem that you're solving. It could be, you know, your team. It could be the goal of the company. Like you, I feel like you have to, it could be just like a financial goal, I guess, that you have for yourself. That's really drawing you. Like you have to have something that's pushing you like that because otherwise you know, after a certain amount of time, I think you do get a little bit stale and it's mm-hmm. easy to be a little bit, you know, dejected and, you know, lower energy and things like that. And so if you don't, if you're not feeling passionate about 
something that you do, like some aspect of the job, I think that's going to show. And mm-hmm. I think the people that truly one believe in what they're doing and also really truly care about the problem they're solving or the customer that they have or whatever it might be, um, that stands out. And I think people can, can feel that. So I think that's important for people that um, if they're looking for a job or if they're at one and they're like, man, this product kind of sucks or whatever it might be. It's like, well, you might want to reframe how you're thinking about it um, and either find something about what you are selling that you enjoy and, and are mm-hmm. proud of or find something else that, that might be a better fit. Yeah, and totally. I mean, like no one wants to be part of an organization they can't they can't stand behind. Um, yeah. And especially when you're the front facing person of, of the organization trying to sell this product, if you don't believe in it and you work for the company, you know, why would anyone invest in in your misconfidence or, you know, lack of confidence in the company? Um, right. So I think that is probably the biggest thing for anyone in sales is you have to have the confidence to stand behind the product and the company. And if you don't like, honestly, fake it till you make it. Like, you know, you can yeah. fake it and, and pretend like you've been at the company for a very, very long time. No one, you know, when you're one month in, I always like when I get, when I put on my um, LinkedIn that I've, you know, been at the company for less than six months or whatever, I'm always worried that prospects are going to like see that and be like, oh, she's only been here for a couple months. But honestly, it doesn't really matter how long you've been there because they don't know your background. They don't know why you started the company. Um, and if they don't feel that when they're talking to you, that's all that really matters. Um, I think it's only when they feel like you're, you aren't confident or you don't know what you're talking about that that would actually hurt you. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, a hundred percent. And, you know, nowadays people are changing jobs so frequently anyways, that someone's always new, someone's always, mm-hmm. you know, ramping up. And so as long as you, you know what you're talking about, you've done your homework on the customer, on, on the product, on so on and so forth, then, um, and you have that confidence that they don't, they shouldn't care whether you've been there for two months or, or five years, yep. um, because you should be able to be able to, to deliver it confidently. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I know we're getting a little bit close on time. I'm curious, like, do you, I love like reading. I love podcasts. I love all that stuff. I'm curious if, if that's a way that you learn. And, and if so, if there's any, uh, whether it's books or, or podcasts or YouTube or people that you follow or anything that's been like particularly helpful to you or, or something that you're into right now. Um, I'd love to learn about that. Yeah, good question. Um, I actually get asked this question also, and I don't always have a great answer. To be honest, I like to learn by diffusion. And I, I mean, I do go on LinkedIn, like, you know, every day for, I, I can't say consistently hours, but sometimes hours. And so I'm always just like reading posts on there. Um, I do listen to sales podcasts um, as well. I just, just kind of honestly, like what comes up people who I know who are in podcasts, I'll listen to those ones. And then sometimes I'll, I'll continue on to those. Um, but it's really more from just my own network. Like I try to keep in touch with everyone who or not everyone, but like, you know, a lot of people who I worked with. Um, mm-hmm. And it's always just like hearing their stories and like seeing what they're up to that really helps me a lot. And also just honestly, like, you know, you're at Gong now. Gong is my favorite tool in the whole world. Like I actually, hey. um, yeah, back when, uh, I, I interviewed a Gong and I thought like it was another product that I just like use. And I was like, oh my God, this is the most amazing thing. Like I can totally stand behind it. I didn't end up wanting to move to San Francisco. So it didn't really, I kind of was like, well, at the end of the day, I'm not going to move. Um, but yeah. I think that listening to people who you, um, you know, figuring out how people are being successful in a firsthand situation, whether it's 
within your own company or reading like what their articles are um, really helped me. So um, I just love the data. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, that's a free ad right there. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. <laughs> yeah, that's that's awesome. And and you can learn so much from yourself. You could learn from the other people mm -hmm. on your team or other people at your company through it, uh, too, if, if you're using something like that. So mm -hmm. um, I, I love it. Anything that we didn't touch on that you wanted to uh, that you wanted to share with with the people? Um, I think we essentially touched on everything. I, I took a little couple of notes for what I wanted to share and I got through yeah. all of them. So um, I really appreciate the chance to talk to you, Tom. And yeah. um, I mean, I'm excited to continue listening and seeing where it goes. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. And I, I appreciate your, uh, your excitement, the enthusiasm, the passion. Um, you can hear it Thanks. through the phone that, <laughs> that you, I'm sure you're bringing that to all the sales calls as well. So um, if people want to connect with you, if they want to get to know you a little bit more or ask you follow-up questions or anything like that, what's, what's a good place to, uh, to reach you? Um, LinkedIn's always good. I, I essentially accept everyone. Um, and I mean, aside from that, I think that's the only professional place. I wouldn't say like Instagram or anything like that. I'm not an influencer or anything. <laughs> so I guess LinkedIn, <laughs> I, I see every single, um, you know, e message come through and notifications. So that'd be a good place. And also awesome. to anyone listening, please feel free to reach out if you are curious or having questions because I'm an open book. I love it. I love it. Thanks, Liz. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Wishing you well on the last deals, uh, whatever Thank deals you, you have too. coming out in, in <laughs> the end of March here. <laughs> you too, Tom. Thanks. All right. Thanks for checking out that episode. Um, happy April. Happy Q2 to everyone out there that's getting after it. Uh, again, this podcast was brought to you by gong.io and postal.io. So, Great way to support me is to support our sponsors. Again, if you leave a review on Apple, I will send you a free Starbucks gift card uh, courtesy of Postal. So uh, shout out to the sponsors. Shout out to the guests today. Enjoy your day. Let's get after it. See you next time. Peace.